Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. Father, we pray that you would speak into our lives, that you would speak to the deepest recesses of our hearts, God. That we, we would be open to receive everything that you have for us this morning. And so we pray this as we just, just heard in Jesus' name, who has all authority in heaven and on earth. Amen. Thank you for joining us this morning. We're so glad to see you here. And uh, we refer to this Sunday as Resurrection Sunday because that's really what we're celebrating. It's not the Easter Bunny or the Easter eggs. Those things are fine. But we're really celebrating the resurrection of Christ. And as I was preparing for this message, actually, I planned to talk about something else. But I felt like the Lord began to drop a question in my spirit. And the question is, why? Why is the crucifixion of Christ and the resurrection a big deal? I mean, there have been other people that have died. What is the big deal? And I think to begin to understand, we need to go back to the book of Genesis chapter 3, where sin entered into all of mankind. In Genesis chapter 3, we read where Adam and Eve stepped outside the boundaries that God has set. God has set boundaries, and he said, if you stay within these boundaries, it's good. If you step out of these boundaries, it's not good. And so what we, what we see is that God told Adam, listen, the garden is yours. It's all yours. All the trees, everything is here for you, except this one tree. You may not eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat from this tree. Now, before we get down on Adam and Eve, how many of you have ever seen a sign on a park bench or somewhere and it says, wet paint, do not touch? And how many of you have left your fingerprint on that item? But Adam and Eve had everything they needed at their disposal. All they had to do was tend and watch over the garden. Now, I don't really have a green thumb, but I think I could handle that gig. I think that would be sweet. They imagine that you were on vacation not like we typically understand vacation where we take a couple weeks off and you know you have to really double up on your work so you can get some time off but you were on permanent vacation and i think that's what life was like for adam and eve they never had to work everything was provided for them and uh when we go on vacation if you want to float down the river or you want to slide down the the waterfalls you have to pay if you want some a fresh fruit or fresh juice, you have to pay. If you want to lay out on the beach in a hammock, you have to pay. Even if you just want to stay there, you have to pay. And so they had it all. I mean, they didn't have to pay anything. They were in the garden. They had everything they needed. And it was probably like us being on vacation, permanent vacation. But the cool thing was that the Bible says that, that God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. And I can imagine, I wasn't there obviously, but I can imagine that it would be something like God would come down and say, Hey Adam, have you checked out this mango? Check this out. Pull, pull back the, the skin on this and, and eat around the seed and taste the sweetness of this fruit. And so they would meet with, with God on a daily basis. But the consequences of their disobedience was huge. They had to leave the garden. They had to work <laughs> like us. In Genesis 3.17, it says, Even the ground was now cursed due to Adam's disobedience. It says that thorns and thistles will grow for you. 
And I, I don't know about you, but a lot of times I'll look out in my backyard in the dead of winter. Everything is dead and brown, except I see patches of green. And I know what those are. Those are weeds. <laughs> so maybe we have Adam to thank for that. I don't know. But here's probably the worst point of, of this whole disobedience was that sin entered into humanity. Sin became part of our DNA, as it were. And uh, if you read in chapter 4, the next chapter, we read that their son Cain murdered his brother Abel. Listen, sin did not take very long to begin to manifest itself and impact all of humanity. And, and the word sin means to miss the mark. Consider an archer shooting at a target. And not only do they miss the bullseye, but they miss the entire target. That's what sin is like. It's missing the mark. It's stepping outside of the boundaries that God has set. Um, think about road signs. Why are they there? Now, with the exception of speed traps, okay? Generally, road signs are there for our protection. And so when you see a sign that says slow down, it's there for our good. It's against the law. It's against the law to drive intoxicated. Why? Because the consequences of disobedience can be deadly or dangerous to others. And here in Houston, we hear about it all the time where somebody's driving down the freeway the wrong way because they're intoxicated. And so the law, the boundaries are for our good. I want to go to Romans chapter 5, verse 17, and it says, For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. I want to take this scripture apart for a couple of minutes. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. Death began to enter into humanity. Sin began to enter in, into humanity. And in James, the book of James, it talks about that. It says that sin, when it comes to fruition, it leads to death. Sin is sort of a progressive thing. Imagine that you begin to compromise in some area. And, or maybe you know people that have compromised, begin to compromise in their, in their life. And next thing you know, they end up way over here. How did that happen? It was a gradual thing. And so sin brings death when it, when it comes to fruition. And, and that can be physical death. It can be spiritual death. There, there are a lot of implications to sin in our lives. But it goes on to say, but even greater than what? Than the sin from Adam is God's wonderful grace. God's wonderful grace is God's favor and kindness for us, for you, for me, for all of us. And his gift of righteousness, being made righteousness is being made right with God or being justified through the sacrifice of Christ. For all, for everyone, I think that includes all of us. Are we part of the all? Yeah, all right. For all, everyone who receives it, what is it? Over uh, God's wonderful grace, his, his favor and kindness, and his gift of righteousness may be right, may be made right with God. Okay, and the consequences of that are that they will live in triumph or rule and reign over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. How? Through Jesus Christ. We can rule and reign over sin and death by giving our life to Jesus Christ. We will live in triumph. Okay, so we're not just talking about a life of mediocrity. We're talking about a, a, a life filled, a life of victory and triumph. Um, it's not by self-will. 
How many of you have tried to do it on your own? Oh, okay, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. I can make this happen. I can make these changes in my life. I don't know about you, but it's never worked for me. And it's not about becoming more religious. Okay, I'll jump through a bunch of religious hoops. How many of you tried that? It doesn't work because it's all about a relationship. And it's only through Christ. Religion can't make it happen. You can't make it happen. I can't make it happen. It's only Christ. Listen, if we could fix our broken lives, don't you think we would? And all of us have areas of woundedness and brokenness in our lives. And I, I love a song that we sing. It, uh, the lyrics say, Jesus, you came to fix my broken life. God specializes in taking broken people and restoring them back to health and wholeness. It's only through Christ. You've heard it said, well, good people go to heaven and bad people go to hell. That's not, that's not really the truth. It's not the truth. You cannot be good enough to earn this forgiveness. But here's the good news. You can't be bad enough to be disqualified. <laughs> because it's not based on our performance. It's based on, on God's grace and love and forgiveness. I want to share something with you that if you don't take away anything else today, I hope you will walk away with this. God loves you. Yeah. Yeah. He loves you. And you may be out there today and you may be thinking, well, that could be for everybody else, but it's not for me. Listen, that's the truth. You, somebody could tell you one plus one is two, and you could say, no, I don't believe that. It's three. No, the truth is one plus one is two. It's not 1.9999. It's not 2.00001. One plus one is two. And the truth is, is that God loves you. And his greatest desire is to have a personal, intimate relationship with you. That we would have a victorious life through our relationship with Christ. See, even the seagulls are excited. John 10, 10, Jesus is speaking this, and he says, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. Maybe the thief, maybe your life has been destroyed at some point in time, but you know what? There's hope, because Jesus goes on to say, my purpose is to give them, us, you, me, a rich and satisfying life. And there's nothing that we can do to separate ourselves from the love of God. I was thinking about Jesus coming down from heaven. He chose to come down and die on the cross. And then he was resurrected again to go back to heaven. And have you ever done something where you started over here and you go full circle and you end up back where you began and you're like, why did I go through all that? Jesus came down from heaven and he died on the cross. He trained up disciples. He left his word for us to follow. The standard, the Bible is our blueprint that we can follow. And then he went back to heaven. He did all that for us. Jesus came to restore all of humanity back into a personal, authentic, intimate relationship. That was his purpose. And God desires that every one of us live a full and abundant life. Not a life of mediocrity, but of abundance. And this word abundance means super abundance, exceedingly abundant, excessively abundant. 
Listen, we can live the abundant life that Christ came to give us. Now, you may be thinking, oh, he's talking about money. I'm not talking about money. Now, God says that when we obey his commandments, he will provide for our needs. But I'm talking about physical, spiritual, emotional, mental health, abundance. This is not, I become a Christian and get rich. This is not that. This is not, I become a Christian and I never have any more challenges. This is, I live a full and abundant, victorious, vibrant life through Christ. Because it's not based on my circumstances. And thank God it's not based on my performance. You know, the world says you have to perform. You have to jump through these hoops. But Jesus says, just come and receive my free gift of salvation and love and grace and mercy. It's not based on any circumstances. It's simply based on receiving what Christ came to give. It's not based on your salary increase. It's not based on you getting or not getting this job. It's so much greater than those things. So my question, why is the crucifixion of Christ and the resurrection a big deal? The answer is because you are a big deal to God. And he loves you. And he desires to have a deep, personal, intimate relationship with you. That's the truth. And you may not be able to receive this because of all the filters and the wounds and the hurts in your life. But listen, that's the truth. That God loves you. I'd like for you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And if there's anybody here today, maybe God is tugging on your heart this morning. And you don't have a relationship with him. And you would like to change that today. Or maybe you had a relationship with him at one point in time and you walked away. Listen, it'd be a shame for you to walk out of this place this morning and not receive the forgiveness and grace and mercy that God has provided. With every head bowed and every eye closed, would you just slip up your hand and fix you? I just want to pray with you. I'm not going to call you up. I, I, I just want to pray with you. Listen, there's no shame in that. No shame in that. The shame would be to walk out of this place and not receive everything that the Lord has for you. Thank you. If, if that's you, would you just pray this prayer? You can pray it silently or you can pray it out loud. The important thing is that you pray this from your heart. Just say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today. I submit my life to you. I yield my life to you. I receive your forgiveness for all of my sins, for everything that I've done in the past, the present, the future. And today is a new day. I leave all of that stuff, I leave all that baggage at the cross. And this is a new day. This is a new beginning for me. And I pray that you would help me forgive myself and that you would help me to choose to forgive those who have hurt me. And I pray with expectation and I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And the Bible says when you do that, you are a new creation. New life. This is a new day for you. And I want to 
to I want to encourage you if you don't have a home church, listen, there are several churches represented here. Come to one of these churches or find a church, but find a good Bible-based church that teaches you the Word of God, the principles of God, so that you can walk in the fullness of life. Get involved there and, uh, you know, allow God to continue to work in your life. And uh, in a moment, Pastor George is coming to pray. And there will be people in yellow t-shirts. Listen, if you have some prayer needs, you want somebody to pray with you, go to these people in the yellow t-shirts. There's no reason you have to navigate through the challenges that may be before you. So go and pray with somebody. And uh, thank you so much. God bless you. God loves you. Pastor George.